Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a now advanced certified paralegal, and I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guests today are two well-known and highly experienced paralegals, Elizabeth H. Nellis, ACP, more commonly known as Beth, and Beverly A. Pace, ACP, and they're both of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So welcome to both of you. Thank you, Vicki. It's our pleasure to be joining you today. Oh, I'm, I'm very happy to have you, Beth. Thanks. And Beverly, are you there? Hey, Vicki. Hi. Hi. I heard just a little rustling there, so I'm glad to have you with us, Beverly. Thank you so much. We're very excited about this. We're going to talk a little bit about your credentials, but before diving into today's topic, our incredible sponsor should be recognized and thanked, and that would be NAWA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NAWA.org. Anala has been a sponsor of this program since we began in 2009, and I just so much appreciate that and all that Nala does for the paralegal profession. Now, the goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that you're going to find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics. And that's why I've invited Beth and Beverly to be my guests, because we're going to focus on tips for transitioning uh, into the legal workplace and also surviving once you're there. And both Beverly and Beth are experts on this topic. So, Beth, I understand that you've served uh, on the paralegal program advisory boards of several colleges and universities, and that would include Northeastern State University in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and also Tulsa Community College in Tulsa. So you've got a lot of experience with paralegal programs, don't you? That's right, Vicki. Um, in addition to that, I was a regional director for NALA, and as an independent contractor, I've worked in a variety of settings, most recently in trucking litigation. But what I'm really excited about is my project for this past year, with legal aid, and we're participating in the courthouse assistance program. Great, great. Both Beth and Beverly are now advanced certified paralegals, with Beth's advanced certification being uh, Social Security Disability and Beverly's being trial practice. And Beverly, I know you've been very active in the Tulsa Association of Legal Assistance, and in fact, we well, I saw both of you when I spoke there a couple of years ago. And also, you serve as an advisor to other paralegal programs. So tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yes, I am on the advisory boards of both Tulsa Community College and Community Care College. And I also taught, uh, co-taught a medical records analysis class at Tulsa Community College. 
and I've been a guest speaker on behalf of NALA at Northeastern State University and Tulsa Community College. That's great. That's great. Well, our topic today is one that I'm really asked about all the time, how to successfully transition from school to the workplace, you know, how to get that job, and then also how to survive in the workplace once you're there. So Beth and Beverly have developed the Professional Identity Project, and this project addresses both issues. So, Beverly, what exactly is the Professional Identity Project? Well, Vicki, the purpose of the Professional Identity Project is to help new paralegals bridge the gap from student to professional. And uh, many years ago, we began to realize that many paralegals were unable to make that transition smoothly. Uh, Beth and I, through our positions in our law firms, would sit in on interviews with candidates who were showing up dressed in blue jeans or sundresses and flip-flops. And we kept talking about these issues and came up with an idea for a solution. Beth and I are Jane Terhune trained paralegals. You know, of course, that Absolutely. she's a founding a member of NALA. So uh, we ran our idea by Jane to see if it was Jane-worthy. And when we explained the concept, she gave us her approval and told us to get this thing going. So to have Jane's approval meant everything to us, and it really spurred us on to see this thing through. I'm really, really excited about this program, Beverly. First of all, because the price is right, it's free, it's available to anyone, and we're going to tell people how they can access it in a little bit, but mostly because I see such a need for this information. So what I'd like to know is how you decided on topics for the Professional Identity Project. Well, the topics came up as it was an evolutionary process. And we tried to think what are the big things that, you know, the glaring things that are coming out. And obviously dress came up as a result of what we had seen during interviews that we were conducting with paralegals. And um, their resumes, we would look at resumes that would have misspellings and were either too long or just too overblown, frankly. And so we really decided that resume writing had to be in there. It had to be very important, how to dress. And then for myself, I didn't come from a legal background. I'd never been a legal secretary. I came from a medical background. And so getting into that law office and surviving in that culture, it can be so foreign to somebody who hasn't experienced that on any level. So we really felt like that was crucial also. I have listened to the Professional Identity Project, Beth, and I'm amazed at the amount of information you offer. So tell our listeners about some of the highlights of the Professional Identity Project. Right, Vicki. Um, what we did, we started out with our David Letterman's top ten list of the characteristics that we thought were most important. And we included writing and communication skills, research ability, be a self-starter, show initiative. Of course, you have to have fathom, you know, unfathomable patience and be good with people. And then I always like to add the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, because as much as we have technology and depend on it, it's not infallible, and uh, you really need to have those basic skills. Right. Spell check doesn't always work, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, you describe in in this in your webinars uh, many of the characteristics of great paralegals. So I'm wondering 
which characteristic do you think is the most important to have, and, and why do you think that? I, my first and foremost um, characteristic would be attention to detail, and that's not only just attention to written detail, because, of course, we you know, peruse volumes of pleadings and correspondence, things like that, but verbal attention to detail, because many times we're running down the hall with an attorney and he's giving us directions and instructions and you just have to literally hang on every word and many many times when I'm reviewing depositions or something like that I will read and reread just to make sure that I have caught everything that I think is important and that I've been instructed to look for. Yes, I think attention to detail is really important. So Beverly, you also address paralegal career trends and challenges that paralegals face. So what's the outlook for the paralegal profession? Well, the outlook actually is really good. To research this, I went online and looked at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Occupational Outlook Handbook. And that handbook states that the job outlook for paralegals is, is fantastic. Employment of paralegals and legal assistance is expected to grow by 18% from 2010 to 2020, which is about as fast as the average for all occupations. So this is a really great news for all of us. You know, we've gone through a bad time where the economy just really wasn't good, and I would, you know, I, there were so many paralegals who were losing their jobs due to downsizing mostly, and then now I, I do see that things are starting to pick up. And the um, the surveys that the different recruiters are doing are showing that, too. So I think it's really good. It's very encouraging. I it was, is. I was astounded when I read this, actually. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage everybody to go on that website and take a look because it has some fantastic information. And you do give that website in the webinar, right? Yes, we do. Good. As I said, I hear from so many paralegals who are looking for the ideal job. They have this great dream of what they're going to be doing. And I know what advice I give them, but I wonder what advice you have for them, Beth, when they land in a job that's not ideal. The first thing I tell them is not to be discouraged. Um, I tell them that at least they have their foot in the door. Now they have the opportunity, even if they're a runner or some part of the support staff, they can show those attorneys. They can exhibit their potential. They can actually just uh, educate these people. And I tell them, you know, the whole time to use those new skills that they're learning or they're utilizing there in that new office to uh, build on their career, to build on their resumes. And, you know, if if necessary, be willing to start at a very basic entry-level position, possibly not even in a law firm. We've encouraged people to look elsewhere. Beverly's a perfect example. She worked in the medical field. We started doing some research, and even right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Bama Pie has a legal division. Sometimes huge corporations have local counsel in your community. There are so many avenues available to you, and you just can start out. At least you can begin networking, and you always hear about other positions, and you'll learn about openings in your own office. And I'm glad you mentioned networking uh, right quick, Beth, because it's very important for them to join at least a local paralegal association to get that going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just 
it is probably the number one thing that I would say that they should do, even while they're still in school. Yes, I'm always encouraging student associations or memberships within the regular affiliates. Well, it's time to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, NALA, the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Beth Nellis, ACP, and Beverly Pace, ACP. We're going to learn more about the Professional Identity Project. And now a word from NALA. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and today we're discussing tips for transitioning from school to the workplace and then surviving in the workplace once you're there. My guests are Beth Nellis, ACP, and Beverly Pace, ACP. Now, Beverly, the Professional Identity Project also has many tips for preparing a great resume. And the purpose of the resume is to hopefully land an interview. And while there are lots of do's and don'ts, tell our listeners one thing that they should definitely do when they're drafting their resumes. Yes, Vicki, we've realized that there are several things that you can do that will enhance your resume and hopefully help it stand out above all others. A big thing for both Beth and I is make sure to include all your volunteer experience because there are a lot of, especially if you want to work in a firm, there are a lot of firms out there who really want people with that volunteer spirit to work in the community and give back. So don't hesitate to put that on your resume. We also recommend customizing your resume for each interview. I have three different resumes that I float depending on what kind of job I'm trying to get. So don't hesitate to change your resume to fit the job that you're going after. Also, think about all the classes that you've taken and try to kind of think outside of the box on this because you never know. An art background could be very useful in helping prepare graphics for trial exhibits. So list that and give that example on your resume. 
Great tip. I I particularly think that they should include the volunteer um, work because it helps if, if there's a gap in their employment. Yes. They need to be able to come up with you know what they've been doing and adding that volunteer work is is a really good idea. Well, and also we point out that if you've been running a Girl Scout cookie drive. You are managing people, you're managing money, you're managing timelines, and if you don't have a lot of work experience, if you're a brand-new, fresh person just coming into the market, you're still showing that you're able to move a project to conclusion, successful conclusion. And what they should do is, is word that correctly so that it really does show how, val- show what, yeah, how valuable that was. Absolutely, because, you know, um, Beth and I both think that volunteer projects, especially if you're leading those projects, can really show that you can lead people and and thrive and survive. Now, Beth, one thing paralegal job seekers dread is the interview process, and you help them in the professional identity project by including lots of interview tips. So what's the one thing they should focus on during the interview? The number one thing would be to relax and be themselves. You know, if you're trying too hard to be the person that that interviewer wants or that firm wants, it shows. And you need to understand who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, because ultimately you want that right fit. I love the Professional Identity Project because you not only provide tips for hunting for the job, but also how to survive once you have the job. There's really something for everyone in this in this product, and that would be from entry-level paralegal to the paralegal who's already established in the profession. Bev, give our listeners one important tip for surviving in the legal workplace. Well, in the Professional Identity Project, I talk about being the vault. And to me, being the vault means that the negativity that comes your way, the gossip, the backbiting, that I try to have that stop with me. If you know, you may be on a very sensitive case where you're learning some things about your client and all that. I try to let that stop with me. I ho- I keep that. The other thing I we talk about is being a bitch buster. And I hope I don't offend anybody when I say that. But to me and Beth, a bitch buster is someone who is an adult who doesn't participate in the gossip or work things up and spread it around. And if somebody is extremely negative and always bringing you gossip or bringing you negativity, you try to turn that around and just not participate in it, number one, but also leave the firm a little better than where you started. So be the person that soothes it and doesn't keep it going. Now, Honestly, I have to tell you that my favorite part of the Professional Identity Project is a section titled, Does This Briefcase Make My Butt Look Big? I had to laugh at that. You know, your sense of humor really shines through, and I think that's so important. You're you're really interacting with the people who are listening. The section speaks to dressing for the job. So what are the, some of the points that you discuss, Beth? Oh, thank you, Vicki. Uh, that's one of my favorite sections of our presentation as well. I always tell people to consider the office you're researching, you're going to apply to. Find out if it's real conservative. You know, you can be yourself and express yourself, but try to keep it to a minimum 
uh, in certain settings, you know, keep that for after hours. Always tell them you want to stand out for your resume, not your outfit. Absolutely. No cleavage. Exactly. Right. Not a lot of bling nails. The biggest uh, problem we're having here in our area, the biggest complaint we receive is the body piercings and the very visible exotic tattoos. And we always just tell them, we're not telling you to mislead people or deceive people, but just try to keep things to a minimum because it really, more importantly than anything, the clientele will um, form opinions. And you are representing the firm. Possibly you're the first contact that they have other than that receptionist. If you're doing the intake like I do on many occasions, I want to make the very best impression I can. You only have one chance to make your first impression. That's common knowledge. So we really try to encourage people to um, show a little personalization, you know, maybe a favorite pen or a colorful blouse, but just remember that you're representing the firm and the clientele. One thing that I pointed out in the Professional Paralegal, the book that I've written for um, classrooms, is that if even if they go there and it's a very casual atmosphere, they should start off, especially with the interview, wearing something that's very professional and begin the job very professional, and they can work into the more casual clothing as they go along, but to that's not the way that that you should start. You're exactly right, Vicki, with that. You know, Beverly's a prime example. When she interviewed with one of the local firms, they probably had 10 or 12 applicants. She was the only one who arrived in a suit, looking very polished and professional, and that's my advice to people is, Go in. You've got to get past what I call the guard dogs. I've been that person that pre-interviews paralegals, and so you have to get past me before I'm going to um, schedule time with the attorneys. You know how valuable their time is, and and the applicants as well. We don't want to waste anybody's time. So I always encourage people to show up looking, if anything, overdressed, because that usually makes a very good first impression. You couldn't be more right. Well, we've just scratched the surface of the information offered in the Professional Identity Program, and I know listeners are going to want to access the entire program. As I said, it's for everyone. You don't have to be a NALA member to do that. Why don't both of you give us some more information about how they can do that? Thank you, Vicki. I would tell you to start by contacting NALA.org or call headquarters at 918-587-6828. And here's Beverly with her information. We really want to hear from your listeners. We would love to hear from them and after they've uh, hopefully gone on and listened to our uh, webcast. So please, if you have a thought or suggestion, a yes or a no, we want your input. So please contact us through NALA. That's a great idea, um, Beverly. So, again, they should go to NALA.org, and the phone number is 918-587-6828. I hope everyone takes the time to listen to this. It's just going to be the best thing for them as they are moving their career, as I always say, in the right direction, which, of course, is forward. 
So, Beth and Beverly, it's time to say goodbye, and I thank you both for joining me today to discuss the Professional Identity Program with its tremendous tips for transitioning into the legal workplace and surviving once you're there. Thank you very much, Vicki. Thank you, Vicki. We hope this has been helpful and useful today. Oh, it has been, and uh, to go and listen to the entire webinar is something that everyone's going to find useful. So thanks so much. Uh, we're going to take another break now, and when I come back, I'll have some paralegal news and announcements, so don't go away. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Well, this is the time when I come back with announcements and events, things that are going on in the paralegal world. So I wanted to let you know that on February the 6th, I'm once again offering one of my most popular courses, How to Turn Your Time, into a billable hour goldmine. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com forward slash billable dash hour dash gold dash mine. That's paralegalmentor.com billable dash hour dash gold dash mine. Recently, I received a very good question that I think will be um, a good tip for you for today. And let me read this letter that I got, or an email actually. It says, Dear Vicki, I subscribe to your email newsletter and love to listen to your podcast. Well, thank you very much. I recently completed a paralegal certificate pro program, and I'm searching for a paralegal position. There's been a lot of talk about networking on LinkedIn, and I've noticed that many paralegals in my area have posted profiles. There are even some profiles for law firms that I'd like to apply to. I want to network with these people to see if they have any advice for a new paralegal and whether they're aware of any openings. What's the etiquette for, on LinkedIn for contacting those individuals? And it's signed, Sincerely, Puzzled Paralegal. Well, Puzzled Paralegal, this is my advice for you. First of all, congratulations on being on LinkedIn. That is so important, and it is the best source of professional networking. Now, once you have your profile completed, and remember that you should update it often, and I also recommend um, including a professional picture, that's when you can go ahead and, and forge those professional connections. And the best way to connect is through forums and groups. Do a search for words that you're interested in, such as paralegal, an area of law you're interested in, such as probate and estate planning, or search for paralegal associations. Join those and follow their conversations and contribute questions and comments when it's appropriate. And once you've joined, you can begin to ask members of the forum to connect. But what I'd like for you to note is that when you ask them to connect, when you send that invitation, don't just use the default message. And the default message on LinkedIn is, I want to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn. Instead, personalize your message, much the way that you asked this question of me. Tell them you're a recent graduate and include the name of your program and that you're looking for a job in such and such an area. Maybe you're looking for a job in Detroit or Minneapolis or whatever, and you'd like to connect with them. Also, don't limit yourself to connecting only with people in the area where you want to work. Connect with bloggers, uh, speakers you've heard, with authors whose material you've read. Always take the time to explain your interest 
in connecting with them. You're much more likely to have them accept your invitation. You might say, I was present when you spoke at the State Bar of Michigan's annual meeting and very much enjoyed learning more about resume writing. I'd like to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn. Send a similar message to Beth Nellis and Beverly Pace. They'd be happy to connect with you, but they do need to know how you learned about them and, and what your interests are. This is all very much well worth the time that it's going to take and the commitment that you have to make. You'll never be sorry. So I hope that helps. To subscribe to my free weekly e-newsletter, just go to paralegalmentor.com. My newsletter is Paralegal Strategies, comes out every Thursday, and I always have great tips that will help you to move your career forward. So that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. And don't forget to check out my blog, paralegalmentorblog.com, where you'll find the show notes from today's show, and I'll give you some links and, and other information in that, so it'll be easy for you to make the connection to the Professional Identity Project. This is Vicki Voison, thanking you for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.